You should love what you do. How do you know if you love it? If it was taken away tomorrow, how would you feel? You are locked on fantasy basketball. Your daily fantasy basketball podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball. Today we're going to be doing another team preview podcast. Before I do that though, just a quick reminder, I do have a Patreon and I have changed a few things over there. Patreon.com slash RedRock underscore B-Ball. This season we're introducing a new tier, a $6 tier, the Good Bloke tier. In that you get access to the Patreon only Slack channel, priority access access to Dynasty Leagues and the Red Rock Challenge Leagues, uh, ability to message me directly over there as well for fantasy questions, plus two mailbag shows for Patreon subscribers per month. Uh, so Patreon only subscribers, so get your answers, uh, questions answered uh, on a podcast, plus during the regular season, two shows per week. Uh, tipping off or starting you know, an hour, half an hour before the game's tip for last-minute injury news, updates for DFS lineups, for streaming ideas, and for things that have just changed in the NBA in the uh, you know, hour or two before those games start. So patreon.com slash redrock underscore Beeble, new tier, the good bloke tier, check that out. Today we are looking at the San Antonio Spurs for the team preview co- podcast. Michael Bolton. Let's get to it. To it. Let's get to it indeed. To talk about the San Antonio Spurs, I'm joined by the host of the Locked On Spurs podcast, Jeff Garcia, is here with me. Jeff, welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks for having me back, Josh. It's good to have you here. There's quite a bit to talk about with this Spurs team who's made some moves this offseason, as every team has, of course, but some big questions that need to be answered with this rotation, and that brings us straight into where I want to start this show, and that's by looking at the injury update, and of course, DeJounte Mm -hmm. Murray, the team's uh, expected starting point guard before last season, tore his ACL and didn't play a single minute last year. So in terms of the injury recovery uh, recovery from Murray, we assume that he is fully fit, ready to go for training camp. He is 100% cleared by the Spurs and doctors outside of the Spurs organization. So he is raring to go, and he's eager. He's actually in Los Angeles right now in a workout session with LeBron James and Chris Paul. So needless to say, he is ready ready to go. In terms of where Murray fits on, on this squad, of course, Derek White took that starting point guard job last season. How is Murray going to fit back in here? Do you think that he is going to start alongside Derek White? Is he going to come off the bench? What are we looking at in terms of role for uh, for DeJounte Murray this season? I think it's going to be split. I think uh, to begin the season, uh, though, the Spurs will probably roll with Derek White and slowly bring DeJounte Murray back. Eventually, I do see him taking over the uh, point guard reins. They, the Popovich uh, Spurs-led group, coaching staff, doctors, as much as they've cleared them in the offseason and uh, training camp uh, right around the corner, I, I think playing against a real NBA uh, game that he hasn't played for in close to a year now, I think they really want to see where he's at right now. There's conditioning. Um, there's getting familiar back with the uh, squad. Uh, there are new pieces. Uh, I know we'll probably talk about them later uh, to this Spurs team. But I think slowly but surely he'll eventually take the reins back 
uh, as a starting point guard, and Derek White will come off the bench. Okay, that's interesting. I seem to think I personally think White is a better prospect than uh, than Murray and works better in that point guard role. But yeah. I think if if White's shooting can come along, I could see them playing together because Murray, of course, not a good shooter, uh, not the greatest distributor, but plays excellent defense, really strong rebounder. We've seen lots of workout stuff from Dejounte Murray about improving his three point shot. How much are you buying into that? Because this is a guy that's shot maybe eighty three point <laughs> attempts across his NBA career. I need to see it to believe it in a real NBA game. Uh, there's uh, there's obviously shooting the threes in the offseason when nobody's defending you. Uh, versus a squad that's looking to shut you down. So uh, the jury's still out for me, yeah. And it goes for both players, both White and Murray. Uh, they need to work on their outside shot, in particular the three-point shot. It's not as consistent. So that's one area of improvement the two players need to work on ahead of the uh, new season. Murray at the moment has a, an ADP over on Yahoo of uh, 94, 97 on fan tracks. I think that is totally fair enough. On ESPN, he's too low at 138. I think he's around that 100, top 90-ish type of mark for this season. I think if he was coming in without White around and playing 32 minutes a night, we'd look a little bit more aggressively at him as, say, a top 70 guy. But because of the presence of Derek White and all those other guards in that backcourt, it is hard to see him pushing up to 31, 32 minutes. If I gave you an over-under, Jeff, of 31 minutes a game for DeJounte Murray, what would you take? Hmm. Over 31? I think it'll eventually get there. Um, okay. I would say I, I take that right now, yeah. Oh, I I would actually go the under on that. I think maybe yeah. thirty is a more more uh, well. That's the number I'm looking at for him. But it could. There's so much uncertainty with how this backcourt is going to run for this season, and and that's the, the the big question mark with this Spurs team. So that does transition me to talking about Derek White, who I'm really big on this season. Of course, we just saw him uh, make his Team USA competitive uh, or you know the World Cup debut uh, overnight. Mm-hmm. We're recording this uh, Sunday night US time. Derek White played uh, you know, played a decent amount of minutes for the. US there, and he really came of age in his second season last year, especially in the playoffs of that 35-point game against the Denver Nuggets. I think he really stepped up. Um, do you... Okay, let, let's ask this question then, Jeff. Do you think they will look to start White and Murray together, or do you think that that, that backup or that starting two-guard spot is going to be manned by, say, Bryn Forbes for the majority of the season? How do you see the backcourt lining up? Yeah. Yeah, I think eventually it'll line up where both of them will start. Um you know, and then you'll have guys like Bryn Forbes and Patty Mills, uh, Demari Carroll come off that bench. Uh, you know, there's there's a segment of the Spurs fan base that would love to see White in that six man role, leading that second unit. There's there's a part of me that kind of uh, agrees with that. Um, here's a guy who can come off that bench and play both ends of the court very well. That being Derek White, and and I think if you move him into the starting lineup, you lose uh, you know some defense. Um, you know, on the perimeter, um, you know, depending on how, how much Damari Carroll uh, proves out to be. But Bryn Forbes, Patty Mills, Marco Bellinelli, they don't really scream defense. But I do see eventually Popovich toying with both White and Murray starting. I think that he will. I think he will look to that yeah. at some point. Definitely on ESPN, mm-hmm. White is ranked 147. That's a real steal to me. I think he's a, a top 80 type potential. Maybe if he got 34 minutes a night, he'd be a top 50 guy. Derek White. He blocks shots. He gets steals. He passes. He rebounds. He scores. He hits threes. His free throws are strong. There's a lot to like about Derek White. And if I was to put him and Dejounte Murray on equal minutes, White would be the fantasy option that I would take there. So so much is going to depend on how Popovich runs that thing in the preseason. See how we go. I, I think we might see a, you know two extra minutes from White maybe early in the 
the season and then maybe that drops off as Murray does push up. But I still think, given how important he is, and especially spending this offseason, Jeff, with Popovich and Team USA, I think that's important. Mm-hmm. I'm putting a, a real big focus on that. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, he's getting a head start with Popovich, with training camp right around the corner and the preseason right around the corner. Uh, it's a boost to his ego, making the Team USA squad. Yeah, you know, maybe a lot of players dropped out, but nevertheless, he still got the nod. And there's also picking up a few things uh, from playing with guys like Jason Tatum, uh, Marcus Smart, uh, Donovan Mitchell. And he said it himself that he's taken away all the lessons that he's learning from other players taking that into training camp. So all in all, the, the looks like the ceiling is high for Derek White. Let's talk about DeMar DeRozan, the, uh, the, the prime piece of the Kawhi Leonard trade a year ago. Had a, a pretty strong season. Didn't, didn't, uh, didn't do everything that I guess was expected of him, but set career highs in rebounds, set career highs in assist numbers, was the leading playmaker on this team. But played a lot of minutes at small forward for this coming year where his defense is even more of a problem than what it is when he plays at shooting guard. He averaged 21 points a game, 6 rebounds and 6.2 assists to be the 39th ranked player last season. But he did see, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't um, in terms of scoring anywhere near where he'd been in the past. Do you think we'll see any of DeRozan playing the two this season? Just with all those guards that we've mentioned, White and Murray looking to get minutes, Mills, uh, Forbes, Ballinelli, Lonnie Walker, who haven't, we haven't really spoken about yet either. So is DeRozan just going to be exclusively a three, do you think? I, I, I think so. Um, he was the uh, Spurs, uh, not only one of the better players, uh, point um in offensive end uh he was the leading uh, facilitator for san antonio last year uh, i believe uh, either at nine or just a shade under nine so that's a, a huge boost uh, for the spurs now i think the uh, spurs with the amount of guards they have on the table right now uh you know adding another one or just shifting demar to that position you know doesn't really bode well it'll probably it just make more clogging issues unless they deal some of these players away and or wave them don't know we'll see what happens uh but nevertheless three seems to be about right for uh demar DeRozan. and, and look I, I think it's just gonna be more of demar DeRozan at this point in his career he is what he is and what you see is what you get and i think the spurs are okay with that the assist numbers, I think, will take a little bit of a drop this year with Murray returning with maybe a larger role for White. Not significantly, but I think that will drop off. Uh, so that is something to bear in mind. He's ranked relatively high on ESPN at number 27. I wouldn't want to be taking him at that spot. Yahoo's got him at 49. I, I think he actually may finish outside the top 50 this season, but I've been wrong about DeMar DeRozan before. But I can see a little bit of a drop off, drop off happening with DeRozan uh, this season. We'll see how that goes, especially in his scoring. I do think that he will dip under 20 points per game this season. I still think the assists will be good, but they may, you know, maybe he loses half an assist a game from where he mm. was last season. But still, he can be a really solid points free throw percentage assist and those strong rebounds from last season are, are, are really useful for a fantasy situation. Let's go to the other big name on this team now, Jeff. We're talking about LaMarcus Aldridge, who um, you know, had to play. He played some center last year, but then towards the end of the year, we had Jakob Pertl move into the starting lineup. Do you think that the opening night starting lineup will have Aldridge and Pertl out there together? I believe so. I think that makes sense. Uh, Aldridge, you know, why even ask or <laughs> dig deeper? He is a starter and he will be the starting uh, for for San Antonio. Uh, Pirtle, yeah, I, I think his time is now. 
Uh, he is a very underrated um, offensive rebounder in the league. Oh, yeah. uh, and he led the Spurs in offensive rebounding last year, and he did that also in, I think it was his final season in Toronto. But nevertheless, Pirtle, he's young, he's durable. Um, I don't know what they feed the guys uh, in, Austri- in Austria, but yeah, this guy can take a hit and keep on moving. Uh, he's young. He runs the pick and roll very well with the uh, Spurs guard rotation. And all in all, he does the dirty work in that paint rim protector. And basically, uh, LaMarcus also doesn't want to play the five. So why not use somebody who will play that five, and that being Jakob Pertl in the starting lineup? Aldridge is 34 years of age. I don't think a lot of people oh, yes. realize just how old he is. So that is definitely a time when you should be worried about some decline. Now, he was the 26th ranked player overall last year, averaging 21 and 9. I do think that some other players will... Now, I think his numbers might be similar. I think the rebounding will drop off uh, a little bit this season. But I also wouldn't be wanting to take him at that back end of the second round. ESPN's got him at 23. No, thank you. Uh, Fantrax, ADP, Mm. 28. A little bit high. Yahoo at 44. I think that's about the right spot. But getting a, a big man who's so efficient from the field... And the line is really important. But the question I now pose to you is, Jeff, is, okay, so they'll start Aldridge and Pirtle. Who's the backup center on this team? Yeah, that's uh, that's a big question. Who does play that uh, backup role? Now, is it Trey Lyles? I don't know. He's <laughs> not a it... center. I'll tell you now. I know, exactly. So, I mean, it's just, they had him. They they had somebody who maybe could have done that, Marcus Morris. Maybe he's not the traditional big, but in pos- positionless. Yeah, NBA now, he, you know, um, he could have done that, but we all know how that yeah. worked out or didn't work out. Uh, but yeah, that that is a a big question, and that's something they need to address in in whatever's left in the off season. I think they're going to have to try and stagger Aldridge to play him some next. It's it's really hard to see. Look, the other big men on this roster: Chemezi Metu. Drew, yeah. Drew Eubanks is a two-way guy. Luka Samanich, and we yeah. know Popovich has a just doesn't play rookies at all, and Samanich is not mm-hmm. ready for those minutes. There's nobody else. There's no other center on yeah. this roster. There's no other big man. Is Metu going to come in and be a regular rotation player? Mm-mm. No. Yeah. I mean, unless he opens eyes in training camp um, or the preseason, it's, it's highly doubtful. Yeah, it's it's a really weird, weirdly constructed roster. That might help Aldridge in terms of fantasy value if he does have to you know, maybe start at power forward but push across and play center. There's an early early sub, get Gay in for Pirtle and then switch Aldridge across. Maybe they do that and that helps his field goal percentage, helps his rebounding numbers. But it is really curious how this roster is constructed with literally one center on it, especially considering Aldridge refuses to play uh, his best position, which is center. Um, let's, uh, which direction shall we go now? Let's, uh, let's head to Rudy Gay, who's had moments starting last season, but in the end sort of found mm-hmm. his role or the Spurs found the role for him coming off the bench as the sixth man. Do you see much changing for the 33 year old Gay this year? No, not really. I think it'll be, it is what he is now. Um, uh, he'll start some games and come off the bench some games. Uh, you'll see maybe Tamari uh, Carroll rotate in. Um, so I, I think he'll still be more of the same. Look, Popovich said it himself, and Buford said it himself as well at the end of the season last year, that they're all in, for all intents and purposes, they're running it back. Uh, they're bringing back everybody uh, that played last season, and so far so good. They've done that. They resigned Rudy Gay. So they want to stick to what's, they had last season, so they're probably going to stick to how they used uh, Rudy Gay last year. Yeah, Gay was the 85th ranked player overall last season. He played 27 minutes a night. I think we've mentioned his name a couple of times. With the addition of Damari Carroll, we will see maybe a minute 
maybe two minutes fewer from Gay this season. Those guys both can play the similar position. Gay more offensive, Carroll more defensive. So that's going to hurt Rudy. I still think he's going to be, he's always been one of the best rotisserie players because he provides average value across every single category. That'll happen. It'll just be on the lower end. So as a back-end roto guy, I think he's totally fine in that 100 to 120 sort of a range, but upside for Gay is relatively limited just with these. Um, again, because DeMar DeRozan is going to have to be playing so much at the three, that means that the Gay's minutes there, he limited the addition of Carroll, does limit that a little bit as well. And it's Trey Lyles in the rotation, taking some of those power forward minutes. So there's a lot of interesting things in terms of how this rotation can look with the Spurs and where Gay fits in. Um, Paddy Mills, you would have to assume he's just going to do what he does. Popovich loves him. Mm-hmm. He obviously destroyed Team USA about a week ago against Popovich. Um, he's just... He is just the Spurs, really. He is the Spurs at this point, and he is that guy who's going to come in and play those 18 to 20 minutes a night. Uh, I don't really foresee too much more from uh, Millsy at this point. Totally agree. Yep, I think Mills is just going to be Mills, and he is that last remnant of the Spurs glory days uh, on the bench. Well, maybe not anymore with Tim Duncan coming back as an assistant coach, but as far as a player is concerned, yeah, Popovich needs a – Somebody who's been there, done that with the team and with the influx of young players that the Spurs are seeing over the last few seasons, having a guy like Mills and his Spurs knowledge will help the team greatly. He played 23 minutes a night last season. Of course, we've got to factor in the early season injury to White and then the season-long injury to DeJounte Murray. So he's definitely not going to play the 23 minutes a night this season. If we're going with the two big-minute guards being Murray and Derek White, for this team, Mills being the third guard, then that fourth guard is, mm-hmm. is open for debate. And there are three names, mm-hmm. Jeff, I think we do need to pay attention to here. There's obviously uh, Bryn Forbes, who started last mm-hmm. season, was the best shooter on this team, and their starting lineup could be really squished for shooting. There's Marco Ballinelli, who I believe is going to be out of the rotation. And there's Lonnie Walker, the first-round pick from last mm-hmm. year. And those three can't get minutes every game. So what do you think's happening with that fourth guard uh, spot? I think that mm. it's going to be Forbes, but he's going to suffer a pretty significant hit to his playing time. I agree with you. I think Forbes will be that fourth guard, and uh, you know, uh, you know, his time on the uh, on the court will be limited. And it, it begs the question too: What will they do? I believe, and I'm pretty sure you'll correct me if I'm wrong, though. Um, I think he's in his final contract year with the Spurs. Yes, he if is. If I'm not, yeah, he is. So that's interesting to me, as as, as well as Bellinelli. Yeah. Um, so do they dangle? The two uh, expiring contracts out there for a team looking to find expiring contracts could be something has to give at the guard position. And you're, you just laid it out precisely what's the issue right now. There's just too many. Not all are going to play. Bellinelli over the offseason uh, told an Italian outlet that he wants to stay in San Antonio, that he's expecting to stay in San Antonio. But... He may be the odd man out, and after after it's all said and done, I would not be surprised if come trade season point of next season, whenever that is, uh, you hear his name uh, pop up a lot. It would not surprise me, though, if at the end of the season he's not wearing silver and black. Yeah, I, I, I don't see how Ballinelli is in the rotation yeah. on most nights. I think that he's probably going to be down to be the sixth guard on this team, which means you just barely play. Um I, I don't think he's doing much. Forbes, as I said, he hit a lot of threes last year, 43% three-point shooter. That's where his fantasy value came, but he played 28 minutes a night, and he is going to be, I think, the biggest uh, loser in terms of uh, minutes lost with DeJounte Murray returning, and if he got to 20 minutes this season, or you know, 24, sorry, if he got to 25 minutes this season, I'd be pretty surprised. I just don't see mm-hmm. how the math can work to fit him in there. 
The, the only thing I could think of is maybe if Pop really does load and manage a lot of guys mm-hmm. at that position, and uh, that's a way to bring him in, maybe give uh, DeJounte a couple nights off, and hey, guess what? Time freed up for Marco and Bryn and Lonnie. So, I mean, that's the only way they could think of think of how they can get some time. But outside of that, no, nah, that, that's an interesting question. Lonnie Walker's an interesting one. We'll talk about him now. He's a player that many people are drawn to because he's that sort of player that, that draws attention. He is a volume scorer. He doesn't do a huge amount else. A poor rebounder, not a great passer. Defensive stat slack. He's not a great shooter. Um, but then he came out in Summer League, put up huge numbers, like 30 points mm-hmm. in about 20 minutes in one of those games. Huge, huge numbers. People are, don't sleep on Lonnie Walker. Lonnie Walker's going to have a big breakout. He's going to be huge. I just don't see where it fits for this season for Walker. Like, Where is he getting this playing time? <laughs> Again, that clog at the guard position. Would uh, He could be that last man on the bench or find himself in and out of San Antonio uh, and taking a trip up north to Austin to still continue to hone his craft. He's ready. Uh, I know it's a summer league, and I get it. You know, it, it is what it is. But he looked like a man among boys. He's primed and ready to go. Uh, Popovich needs to start playing him a lot more. And uh, I'm not saying 30, 25 minutes. Give him 11. Give him 10. See what he can do. Uh, but at this point, there's just so many guards. Something has to give. And Lonnie could also be a victim of the guard clog that they have in the Alamo City. Yeah, I think they also want to try him at the three. I don't think he's anywhere near big enough. I think he's only, exactly. he's only yeah. six four. He's not a good yeah, defender. He's not big uh, enough. Yeah. He'd get cooked more than DeRozan, I think, at the three. Yeah. That's a real struggle. So to me, yeah. Walker's not a player that I'm interested in from a fantasy point of view, even long term, because I just think he does does very little else apart from score. But this year he's just not going to get the playing time, the amount of games, unless you know weird stuff starts to happen with this rotation. He's down the, at maybe best case scenario fourth guard, but probably fifth guard, maybe sixth sixth guard on this yeah. team, which pushes him a long way down the uh, fantasy pecking order. Uh, we have mentioned Marco Bellinelli already. Um, actually, I want to talk about, a bit about Jakob Pertl, because we mentioned him a little bit mm-hmm. earlier on. I really like Pertl as a late-round pick mm-hmm. in this year's draft. ESPN's got him ranked 189th, Yahoo at 136, because both of us think he is going to be that starting center. He can block shots. He's got a very high field goal percentage. He's a strong rebounder. If your league counts offensive rebounds, he's one of the best offensive rebounders in the NBA. Is there anything with his offensive game that we can see develop, though? And he played uh, down the stretch last year, 20 minutes a game. Do you think we're looking at a 20-minute-a-game hurdle? Or because of the lack of centers, as we've highlighted, he's going to have to push more to 24-25? He's going to have to push more to 24-25. There's no doubt about that, again, as of this recording, because he's the only uh, big man they have at the five spot. Uh, But, yeah, his minutes are going to increase, and then obviously his offensive numbers are going to go with that as well. He needs to develop an outside shot. He does not have any, not even an elbow jumper. Uh, Everything he does is at the rim, uh, cleaning up the glass, putbacks, uh, running pick and rolls, you know, dunks here and there. He needs to start expanding his game. Uh, This offseason, from what I can find and what I've seen, I have not seen any type of offseason workout with him trying at least trying to work on his uh, mid-range game as if the Spurs need another mid-range guy. But, um, yeah, I think he needs to expand his offensive game. Uh, if he could just get that little elbow jumper or just a jump hook shot, something, 
I think that'll help his game on the offensive end well because defensively he's great for San Antonio. Yeah, look, he's really strong defensively. I think he's strong as a yeah. late round pick. You got to watch his free throws. They are poor. He doesn't get to the line very often. But with an increase, or if he gets an increased offensive load, then that will definitely um, be an issue there. So you do have to watch that. But the blocks, the rebounds, the field goal percentage. All really strong from Jakob Pertl. We mentioned Trey Lyles already. Do you think that Lyles is a, a rotation guy every night? Uh, he might be the uh, uh, guy buried on the bench right now. Um, I, I don't see him uh, a rotation guy. Um, I, I just don't see it with Damari Carroll and yeah. Gay and Damar. I, I think uh, he could be that last man on that bench. I think you know, the, the, the point there is that you know, Carroll and Gay – they're two older players who have had some significant injury history, so he'll get he'll get minutes in those situations. But in terms of just regularly playing, those two guys will surely have preference. Now, Carroll's going to come in and probably play a pretty a pretty small role in terms of mm-hmm. in comparison to what he played as a member of the Brooklyn Nets. More in that twenty minute a night role will be my guess for Damari Carroll, which leaves him yeah pretty limited in terms of fantasy value. I don't think we need to be paying too much attention to him. But I do want to talk about the Spurs rookie Luka Samanich. Uh, mm-hmm. I wasn't a massive fan of that pick. What did you think of him at the time of the pick or during summer league? And are we going to see him or is it just all going to be for Austin? It's all going to be for Austin. Um, he'll get the occasional call up here and there as all rookies do. And Pop did it with Bryn and Lulani and Derek White, but does not mean anything in their, in their rookie season. He will stay cooking in Austin until he, the Spurs think he's ready to go. Uh, as far as where he got selected, I think it was a bit too high. Uh, at what I believe it was 19. Yep. So um, I think they could, he may have still been there at 29, but hey, things worked out. Keldon Johnson was there. So Spurs uh, just swiped him up. I, I like Luca. I've seen some clips of him overseas. Uh, he's playing in professional leagues. Uh, he definitely needs to add some size to his frame. He's just a teenager, 19 years old. Uh, he's not ready yet physically, maybe not even mentally. But from what we've seen, what he can do on the court, he runs it. He he has a he has a good outside shot. I wouldn't say he's t- completely reliable, but it's a lot more uh, consistent than I thought it'd be. He's uh, not afraid to go to the rim. Uh, he can attack the basket. Uh, he has a good pair of eyes. He can find the open man. But Considering the way the current roster is stacked right now, there's no way that he comes to San Antonio and gets significant minutes or even major minutes in his rookie season. He'll be cooking in Austin. I think we have to think the same thing about Keldon Johnson as well, a, a wing player who played, had some big offensive games at Summer League. He does struggle defensively, uh, put up very limited stats at Kentucky, low rebounds, assists, mm-hmm. steals, and blocks, but there's always chances for those Kentucky guys to put up bigger numbers than what we saw in college. But he's going to be one of those ones, you know, two years away from really being a contributor. I guess it's just to fill the hole when Carroll and Gase yeah, do move on and or, you know, hit that age 35 mark, which will happen in two years' time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, same thing, exactly what I said for Aluka applies straight to Keldon as well. It's a, it's a numbers thing. It's a roster thing. The Spurs got plenty of people at his position ready to go. Uh, he's playing that behind veterans of the game. Again, cooking in Austin. Uh, didn't You know what? And as much as a lot of the Spurs fan base is excited about Keldon, what I saw in the Summer League, for me, the jury is still out because – his, oh, okay. al- his outside shooting is is a, is not great, and but his defense is is superb. Um, his perimeter defense—he's a hound on the defensive end, but 
and he needs to do it on both ends of the court and and, and the offensive end it wasn't really too stellar for me he had a couple of big games, but he, overall he struggled. Yeah. I just I worry about what he's yeah. going to be in the NBA. If is he going to be any more than like a seventh man wing defender, Tory Craig type? Maybe maybe that who is and that yeah. can be valuable for for fantasy. I think he's got pretty limited value overall. Jeff, that'll cover that uh, Spurs roster. Just go through some value and bust picks. I think the value pick Derek White at 147 on ESPN is pretty ridiculous. I think DeRozan at 27 is also too high. I wouldn't want to take him at that level, but uh, I really like the value you can get for Derek White at this point. DeJounte Murray also at 235 on ESPN. There's a ton of value for him there. Jeff, that'll uh, that'll do it for me today. Uh, Thank you again for coming on. Let everyone know where they can find you on Twitter and uh, the podcast, of course. Sure, on Twitter, it's at Jeff G Spurs Zone. Uh, follow me there for everything under the sun when it comes to the San Antonio Spurs. And subscribe to Locked On Spurs, part of the Locked On NBA Network. Uh, pick a platform. We're there, whether it be iTunes, Stitcher, uh, iHeart. Um, you can find Locked On Spurs. So hit that subscription button. I'll definitely appreciate it. You go and uh, check out Locked On Spurs, of course, while you're checking out Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Jeff, thanks for jumping on. Not a problem. All right, guys, that'll do it for today's show. Make sure you're subscribing. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and on YouTube. Give me a thumbs up. Leave a comment down below as well. Follow me on Twitter at RedRock underscore B-Ball, on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball, and the network at Locked On NBA Net on both of those platforms. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. Mari Carroll.